They sent you a yearbook like, never change. But I ain't different the next time you see me, set me ablaze. <laughs> What's up kids, how are you doing today? This could be a slightly longer one today. It could be, I'm not gonna lie to you, it could be a little longer one. Because if you didn't know, if you were unaware, if you haven't been paying attention, which, you know, why would you? This is the kind of thing I'd pay attention to, but you wouldn't necessarily pay attention to. This year we hit two milestones in Yelling at Concrete podcast. And unbeknownst to me, in the past, I didn't know it would work out that way, which is odd because I have a habit of saying that there are no mistakes in art, so that either means that this wasn't a mistake and my subconscious is better art than me, or doing math than me, or, you know, this is a natural mistake. But, nevertheless, two milestones in this year. So in August, we will hit 200 episodes of Yelling at Concrete Podcast, that's right. So we'll surpass another 50 episodes, which means you get your nice highlight reel, as I always do, and a special episode, which I'm not going to tell you about right now, but we're going to do a little special episode, which is going to make me highly uncomfortable. So, you know, we'll do that. <laughs> but what you don't know is that the 6th of May marks five years of doing Yelling at Concrete. May 6th, 2017, first episode of Yelling at Concrete went live, it's titled 001, Creation of a Podcast. So today marks five years of doing this. And I think that's, you know, it's substantial. It's a little substantial to for us to kind of sit back and take a look at. And, you know, do a little bit of, <clears throat> I guess the word would be review of where, where all this came from and what this is all about. But I didn't want to just sit and recite my history. And also, you know, I don't want to give you that much information about my own life to be able to recite. But I thought what is interesting is... When you look back, you kind of, like, I, I don't want to say career because this isn't something which funds me, but when you look back at your creative path and you, your progression through different mediums, it's interesting to see where you picked up little points and where your style changed. Because whether you know it or not, this isn't a five-year journey. This is a 10-year journey to actually get to this point. So we're going we're gonna to dive into it a little bit. So as I say, you know, it's been five years five years of doing this even the podcast has changed in that time if when you watch back and you look at the first episodes of the podcast it is it's different it's different to what we do now it's it's less formalized i guess in a way it was finding its feet i'd never made a podcast before i made long format content some on occasion but i hadn't made a podcast so the first episode the whole idea the camera was on my like my left hand side and it would you'd literally just see my beard my nose and the microphone because shockingly to say I'd made video content before that where it was just my face I didn't want to be the, on camera I, I, wa I wanted it to be more like a radio I wanted it to be like talk radio which I guess this is a lot like talk radio you know if we threw in some tracks I could probably have a radio show you know yelling at concrete radio it would just be mostly strange famous and doomtree and, and you know but, but various things like that but <clears throat> I've digressed. So yeah, I mean, I, when I started like that, and it, if anything, I'd say those ones are a little less relaxed as well, because I felt like each time I, I turned on the mic, I had to have a point. 
I had to have some coherent, clear message to put out into the world. I think it was less jumping off point and there was more structure to it. And I'd make notes about it and I'd, I'd discuss, you know, clear, valid views. Whereas now it's, I've grown much more comfortable just sitting with a microphone and listening to myself and listening to you guys through my imagination um, of the audience who isn't really there, which is kind of how I do it. In my brain, I'm I'm kicking back and I'm thinking, okay, how are you going to react to this? And then <clears throat> secondary guessing what you'll say so I can kind of counteract that point. So it is more like conversation. That That's the kind of, you know, that's how I do this. It's free, free-formed thought which comes out and I'm already picking up the things which you're picking up and then I just vocalize them. That's... That's all. This is as simple as the solo podcasts are. Is that is all I'm doing? Obviously, when I have a guest on, I have someone to bounce ideas off, and that works. But yeah, those first few episodes, um, they were formed just kind of out of doing that, and that it followed on from the stuff which I'd been doing before, which I'd only been doing that like I hadn't done that in a few years. So to tell you a little little bit, kind of how I got started with the podcast. <clears throat> Sorry, there's a fly in my room and it's irritating me. There we go. I got it. <clears throat> wow, my voice is, is croaky today. I may cut some of those coughs, which are, are coming in, sneaking into your ears. But either way, so in 2017, that's right, 2017, which is when this podcast started, I had a relationship end. Actually, it ended in 2016. It ended on New Year's Eve 2016. And then in 2017, I did what people like me do. I threw myself into things, and I threw myself into creating, and I threw myself into making art, and making projects, and doing things at home, and occupying myself, because that is how I deal with grief, and that is how I deal with myself and my emotions, and that's the catharsis which drives me to create work, and I think that's why it's so important to create work, is I think it helps deal with these things, and it helps you get ahead with you know, just progress and just healing yourself and looking after yourself. And it, it, it does. It helps you work through it. it. It gives you little tick boxes to say, okay, I did that. How do I feel about that? Why did I do that? What did I, what I, what did I create in that, in that time frame? So the podcast started as that. But also because at the time, and I mentioned this a few times with having guests on, I was having friends' coffee with a lot of people. Before this, I didn't really go out for coffee in cafes apart from with my partner. You know, we'd go out for coffee, we'd meet friends. But me and just a random friend going for coffee was quite unusual for me. It wasn't something which I was doing on a regular basis. Also, because I was working night shift. So it's harder to do. But I had a lot of friends and they were, you know, kind enough to reach out to me. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not the kind of person to reach out. So what's the best way for me to reach out? It's like, well, if I reach out under the guise of a project then it's less like me asking for help, more like me going, okay, well, would you like to be involved in this project? But secretly, I'm just therapizing myself. That's That was all I was doing initially at that time. I'm much better at that now, I will say. I'm much better at reaching out for help, stopping myself, and that's progress. That's that's how it goes. Again, because I'd done this, I knew it, and I formatted it, and I said, oh, wait, why, why did I do this? And like, oh, yeah, because I need people to talk to. That's why I did this. That's why I go for coffee with people. But I started recording these conversations because I felt... The conversations were good. They were informative. And it was also it was giving me a different side to people which I hadn't get to see. It was giving me their passions and their interests and teaching me about how they've dealt with things, how they'd come across life, how, you know, their story informed their outcome. 
And I thought, that's a great idea for a show. That is a great idea for a show. That's, that's what we should do. That's exactly what we should do. And so we did it. We did it. And then five years on, we've progressed. I've gone from having the majority of the people on the show being close friends and people I've, you know, met in real life to mainly being strangers now. Mainly being people I go out, find, enjoy their work or discover through one means or another. And I think those would be an interesting person to talk to. Let's go speak to them. And we do. And I would like to say to anyone who's been watching this from the beginning, sincere thank you. Sincere thank you to anyone who's watching this now or listening to this now. Thank you for coming along for the ride. I do not intend to stop, as the trailer says this year. I do not intend to stop after five years. I don't see a point in stopping, because I enjoy this, and it's cathartic, and why wouldn't I? But the format of this is quite odd, because like you, you don't sit there and... I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes you sit there and you look at a podcast and you say, hey, that's a real interesting podcast. I wish I could do a podcast. Oh, maybe I should do a podcast. That didn't happen to me. I, I'm very honest... I don't listen to podcasts. Really, I don't. Um, I I just get distracted with them. The only time I've had them on is is usually on train journeys. That's usually when I utilize a podcast because having music for an hour or so is is a little bit much. Um, so I utilize a podcast on a, on a train journey. Um, but apart from that, I I wasn't listening to the first podcast I ever really sat down and listened to was Mark Maron's. And I think I, I can't remember which which episode it was, but I, I sat down and listened to it. I thought, yeah, no, this is an interesting concept. This is this is something which is is informative to me as a person, rather than it just being you know celebrities plugging stuff. And then my brother turned me on to uh, last podcast on the left, and I listened to a fair amount of that. But now I very rarely listen to that at all. And it was just you know. It wasn't informed by my love of podcasts. It wasn't my, informed by my my want to do long format content because, and we'll get to this now. Prior to this, I'd made vlogs, right? You guys may not know about this. Some of you do. Some of you have been along for the ride since you know 2012 when I started making videos. So we're going to roll a little, bit, a little bit back. Right, so there's a few, few, few bits in the last 10 years. My life has changed dramatically in 10 years. Less so maybe in the last five years. Well, the way I put it is that my life changed dramatically in the first five years. And then my personality changed dramatically in the, the next five years. Because the first five years was finding out how I could exist on a stable ground. The second five years was how I could exist. That's the truth. That's the best way I can put it. That's the simplest way I can put it. But we'll get back into it. So in 20, 2011, I graduated from university. In 2012, I was living at home with my parents, having left university and being part of a recession. You know, a double dip recession. There was no jobs. I'm from the northeast of England. There are no creative jobs. I studied a creative thing, which meant I'm doomed. You know, um, there's a great series called Poppy Hillstead, uh, which is coming on YouTube. And there's a skit which is about being at the job centre and looking for creative jobs and it is one which I heavily relate to of going to a job centre in Scunthorpe and them asking me what I wanted to do or what I was trained in and me sitting there and telling them well I was trained in film and photography and essentially I want to work in the film industry and the recruitment officer sitting there sat there and looked at me and went well you're not going to get that here and I was like right yep you know, I completely understand that. 
that's the end of that conversation. Let's get you into a standard job. Is it was the conversation which we had. But in 2020, I was living at home with parents. And what do you do when you live at home with your parents? You regress. So I did regress, right? I, you know, I'd worked all the way through uni. I worked in bars and I worked in restaurants. And when I finished uni, I worked in a bar and a restaurant for a short while after that, living with my brother. But it wasn't a great living environment for me. So I decided to cut my losses, stop paying rent and stop working in late nights and just go home. You know, there was a space for me, so I may as well go home. It was my theory and I, it meant that I could save. It meant I could figure out what I wanted to do, a little, a little bit of breathing room. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I was living at home and I, I just started making videos. I was watching a lot of YouTube at that time. I remember watching an excessive amount of YouTube and it was the height of vlogging. Right, yeah, they, it was 2012 was the height of vlogging. It was, you know, I was watching Vlogbrothers, I was watching Weezy Wayer, I was watching, um, what, was, what was it called, Hipster Chicken, that was a whole thing with Stu Dippin, and it, it was just a thing. It was just a lot of times happening. So, it, Weezy Wayer gave me the initial idea because I, I read his backstory and I watched his videos, and his whole video idea was that he was he was a waiter when he started making videos. He was literally a waiter with asthma, hence Wheezy Waiter. And he was a former film student, and I related to that so hard. <laughs> I related to that in such a way, because he'd taken that, and he'd been at home and bored, and gone, okay, well, what can I do with these skills which I have? What can I actually create at home? And he pushed that into something, and that really inspired me. I, I even wrote him a letter to, to tell him that he'd inspired me, and said, I think I sent him some chocolate, and he, you know, it was a big deal. It was a big deal to have that kind of inspiration idea and and that you know pushed me to do something so i started making vlogs and of course what do you do when you start making stuff you imitate that's what you do when you start making stuff you, even when you're learning art even when you're learning painting or drawing what do you do you imitate the people who came before you because you want to learn skills and techniques this is something which i think is very important in our world where you get people who are fresh to doing stuff and they instantly form their own style and they don't understand why people won't accept their work. Um, there's a great story about Picasso, who <laughs> I think he said that he, he had to study his whole life to, t to learn how to draw like a child. If you see Picasso's really, really early work and what he studied, he is a classical painter, could paint amazing Renaissance-style paintings, and then you look at what he ended up creating. And that's the thing. You know, you have to demonstrate technique before you get into the next bit was the rule of law within our world. It still pretty much is the rule of law of our world because it shows you understand both is the is the reasoning behind it. It shows you understand both. It shows you can you can comprehend why one is an artistic practice and why another is an artistic practice. And then it demonstrates you have that critical thinking which is required to make work. But I digress. So I was watching these videos and yeah, I started imitating. You know, there's so much jump cuts, but at the same time, I was full of a lot of bitter rage at that time as well. Like a lot of bitter rage. I, my life wasn't going how I wanted it to go in any way, shape or form. So I, I mean, a lot of it's super cringy. It's so cringy. It's so direct. There's, I used to do series. There was like two series. Um, one of them was just like standard vlogging stuff. The other was just um, kind of picking up and going, okay, well, I have a I have an axe to grind in this situation, so I'm going to spend three minutes basically just dictating to you 
dictating exactly what I think. This is it. This is how the world should be. And it was clear line. There was no conversation. There was no relaxation because I was completely uncomfortable being on camera as well. Completely uncomfortable being on camera. My own image was not something I wanted to see. I was unhappy about everything. And yeah, I just started making these videos. (laughs) I made so many. I made so many videos. I was at a point I was making like three videos a week. Like three minute, three to four minute videos every week. And I I think I even looked it up. So between September 2011 to March 2012, I made a hundred videos. I made a hundred videos because I had nothing else to do. My entire life at that time was figuring out when I could film, filming stuff, writing the next bit, doing it, and really just like diving into it, trying to gain that online momentum which you needed to get going as a vlogger so I could be taken seriously as a vlogger. And, you know, I won't say that work was good. There's some good parts. There's some funny stuff. I was trying more comedy back then. There was, there was comedy sketches. I was trying everything. I was just throwing stuff at the wall to see what would stick. And that's an important period in creation, <laughs> really. That's it. When you're finding your ground and you're finding your level, that's an extremely important period of creation. But in 2012, I moved back to the city which I live in now, and I moved in with my partner, and I kept making videos for a while. I think it was about until 2014 I was still making videos. But during that time as well, I started drawing again. I started illustrating again and sketching because my my interest in film and photography whilst the mediums interested me the industry was killing my ideas it was killing anything which i wanted to do i realized that there's this whole law around like you know no jobs in the north so you have to move to london to make it in the film industry and i hate that i hate giving into that i hate pushing into the idea you have to go to these major cities to do this so i I pushed back against it and i said well no you know i'm not doing that therefore i'm just not going to be part of that industry i'm going to i'm going to find my own way i'm going to do the self-employed thing i'm going to figure that out i'm going to and i did i was self-employed for two years um and i took part-time jobs in the to subsidize my income and i started making t-shirts and I was trying to do a clothing brand, apparel brand, because that was a thing. And I had a new idea. And there was all these little projects and little business prospects which I was doing because I needed money, because it was about survival. And that's the clear answer within that time frame, was it was all about survival. It was just about getting the next paycheck. It was just about getting enough money to pay my bills. And that was the key. And I think a lot of people are in those situations and you can so easily be downtrodden by it and you can't, and it it can, and it does happen. And, you know, I sympathize with all of those in those situations. And that, that is the difference between being in a privileged position like myself, where I have a full-time job and I can create things and being someone who is taking that risk and being so brave to go, just do it, you know, just make things and make things and push things. And it does, it, it affects your art. It affects the stuff you make because you start to make things based on how they will sell, how audiences will interpret them. And it becomes so much harder to make a little byline for the thing which actually makes you happy. There is a series which I illustrated back then, um, which was animals and objects. And it was just animals in kitchen items and, you know, cups, bears in cups and otters in pots. People loved it. It was probably the most successful series which I ever made in terms of illustration. And I hate it. It's the most vapid thing I've ever created. I'm 
conceptually there's nothing really to it. It's just cute. It's just plain cute. And there's no problem with cute. But when I make cute without concept, it just fills fills me with dread. It makes me feel empty. And that's not why I create art. I create art because it makes me feel full and gives me a release. And I hate that series. But people love that series. People got enjoyment out of the series and that's what I took solace in. I took solace in that people really enjoyed that series and they liked it and they bought it. And I know people who still have it in their homes, hanging in their homes. And, you know, good. They're, they're happy about it. I can make stuff to make you happy. But I make art to make me happy. Or at least make me not sad. Is maybe the better way to word that. <laughs> but it bends you whim. I did an internship for a news uh, company. In fact, maybe not even a news company. I call them a media company nowadays. But I I did an internship for a few months uh, making videography content. I made music videos. And there was so many people saying, you know, oh, you should get into wedding photography or portrait photography. And again, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sacrifice my interest in creative things and interest in creation for the sake of a paycheck. So even when I was looking for jobs and even when I was looking at mainstream jobs and and a full-time job, I essentially wasn't looking for something in the creative field because my view of it was if I do that every single day, it's not going to make the stuff I do at home special to me. And I didn't want to remove that. Now, you know, I'd love a full-time job in the creative industry. I would because I found that balance. I found that balance of being able to do stuff at home, making stuff for myself, making for other people. But at that time, I was not ready for that in any way, shape or form. If I had got a job as an illustrator in like 2015... I'd probably hate illustration right now. And, you know, right now I'm not. I, lo- I love doing my illustrations. I love doing painting and I love doing my, my sculptures and, and creating stuff for me. But again, it wasn't it wasn't about the work at the time. It was about survival. So I got this job. And this job has allowed me to, you know, progress and keep a steady income. And I'm still with the company. You know, it's, I've been with them for eight years now. Um, I don't talk about it, and that's my personal life. I don't need to bring my personal life into these things. But what it did was allow me this breathing room. For the first time in my you know, my life, I wasn't chasing a paycheck because I had a stable job. I wasn't chasing creativity for the sake of making money, which meant me a lot of room. Re- <laughs> I had a lot of re- breathing room. Wow, words. Trying to get them out of my mouth. Um... And what it did was it allowed me some self-reflection time. So I essentially stopped making saleable work for a long time. You know, what I call a long time. So in, I think it was about 2014, 2015, I stopped making videos, stopped doing the YouTubes, stopped doing all of that. I also stopped selling T-shirts for a while. I was doing you know, my job, and that was paying the bills. I stopped creating t-shirts. I stopped creating illustrations for the public. I was creating more, but I was creating more in the sense of I was doing projects for myself to find out. I was trying to find myself creatively again, you know? I think having a job is great, but it also does a lot to erode yourself in the same way as education does. I think getting yourself educated can be useful, but I think institutions kill creative drives in a lot of people it certainly didn't me um, when I was very young it kills a lot of that because 
the whole idea is you have to adhere it to their guidelines and their standards, which if you are a creative person and naturally creative, you you don't want to do that in any way, shape or form. So when you are told you have to do that to succeed, it just doesn't land well with you. So I was creating projects. I was creating, I, I think I did my 365 where I did a drawing every single day and I was pushing out, you know, little short films, which I was doing with my friend Matt, which is called Tuba Doom. I think they still exist on YouTube. I don't know who has access to that account. But we were doing these little short films. We were doing, we were doing all sorts of little bits, but we were just doing these tiny little bits to kind of like keep me occupied. And then in 2017, my relationship ended, as I said. And I threw myself back into creating stuff. And I threw myself back into the internet and I threw myself into all of this stuff because it had come to a point where I didn't really have anything to lose in my mindset because I was like, right, well, I've got this job, the job's stable, the job's still going. And I don't have to think about anything else. I don't have to think about people I'm with. I don't have to think about the house I'm living in. I don't have to think about any of that because that's all standard. That's all baseline, which meant I had suddenly had this freedom to do whatever I want. So I formed Nullpoint and I formed this podcast and I started making extra illustrations and illustrations for me, illustrations and pieces of work, which were just about what I wanted to talk about with regard, no regard to saleability in any way, shape or form. And honestly, that has been the most freeing thing in the last five years. But when I look back at that previous work and I look back at where I came from and the work which I've done, I can see little benchmarks and little landmarks along the way which have got me to this point, right? This style wasn't formed in a day. Like I said at the beginning, you know, when I first made the podcast, it was to the side. Um, I was doing, I think I was doing them like bi-weekly as well. I even went through a little bit where I was doing an introduction before the guest to tell you who the guest was, and then we have the guest on, and that was a whole thing. But when I look back at my vlogs as well, there is there's content in there which I can clearly see the thumbprints of this within it. There's a video I made ages ago about Mike Lombardo. If you don't know Mike Lombardo was a, a, a vlogger or a YouTuber or a musician or whatever you want to call him, who was arrested, I think it was like 2013, he got arrested for child pornography. But the internet kicked off at the time because he was seen as one of these icons within the vlog community. And I made a video which was about 20 minutes long. It wasn't even discussing him, it was just discussing hysteria on the internet and pitchfork mentality. And all of that which kind of came out through it. And it was one of the most popular videos I did at the time. But I never made another 20-minute video. I made that video, but I never made another 20-minute video. Which meant I'd kind of laid the foundation for what these would become. Me just taking a topic and running with it. I had videos in black and white back then. When I came back from getting my job, I'd taken a hiatus, and all my videos were suddenly in black and white. Why were they in black and white? Because I realized the thing I hated about making vlogs was the color editing. I absolutely hated doing the lighting and color editing. So I made them more natural and I added black and white because I wouldn't have to color edit and I wouldn't have to do anything about that. And the illustrations, which I introduced this year back to the thumbnails, I was doing edges of that. I was trying out, just adding in little bits. And all of it was under the guise of kind of progressing myself and trying and experimenting things. And I think that's the key, right? That's the key and that's the balance to say to yourself is that if you're not, experimenting with what you're doing and not finding the parts of what you're doing which you enjoy and dislike and modifying what you do alongside that that's when you become stagnant and that's when you kind of learn to hate what you hate there's an episode of the podcast ages ago 
early years, I think it was with Nathan Dean, and we were discussing this idea that projects, especially in the town I'm in, um, they last about two years. So when I set out to do this, the thing I said to myself was, we've got to do this more than two years. We've got to do this at least three, four years to prove that we're not that. To prove that this isn't just something which I'm going to lose interest in. So I have to keep it interesting for you. I have to keep it interesting for me. And I think if you're going to do a project and you're going to go into an industry or you're going to go into a field or you're going to create, that's the key, you know? It's stepping back from whatever the public is saying is popular, whatever the public is saying is interesting, and thinking, okay, well, that's interesting to them, but is it interesting to me? Is it something I actually want to do? I'll dip my toe into it, but is it? does it have to become everything I'm doing at this one time? I followed a, a puppeteer recently, and I was reading, you know, he was watching all these videos about making puppets, and I was like, this is great. And then he recently did a video where he rebranded his channel and created an NFT to solidify the change of what was happening. And I thought, that is so... It's so sad to see because you had such a unique idea and such a unique way of doing things and then you just rebranded along with this. And I'm keeping an eye on it because I'm still watching it for the time being to see how it changes, but it's bending. It's bending to the whim of an industry and bending to the whim of the audience. And I think as a creative and I think as an artist, your goal isn't to bend. Sure, you can feed the audience and you can do some fan service, but I don't think your goal should be to bend with what you do. And I think if you're doing that you're losing some of the the uniqueness and the edge and the creativity which drove you there in the first place there's a line in a song which i quoted at the very beginning of this podcast um which says right or wrong if you succumb to every fad you should get dragged and that's true if you succumb to every single industry change every single deviation you will get dragged and you will get dragged down emotionally and mentally you may succeed financially but the reasons you want to do this just will will evaporate they'll, they'll stop existing it's been five years of sitting and talking to this camera and talking to this microphone I've been in this house for a decade an actual decade and I think I'm proof that you can spend all your time in one location and the world will keep spinning without you. So, why not spin under your own steam? Take a little control of what you're doing by creating what you want to create, making what you want to make. And audiences respond to that, I find. If that's one thing which I've learned, audiences respond to you being honest. Fads come and go, but you sacrifice a huge part of yourself to adhere to it. Thanks for joining me for this journey. Here's to five more years, if we can keep going. I have no intention to stopping, as I say. And I guess I'll just be continuing. Continuing with you guys, continuing with everyone else. Simply just yelling at concrete. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.